Time to take a look at the Arizona sports poll question. Brought to you by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Welcome on back to Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're going to our website now, ArizonaSports.com. Just a little bit early. We usually look at our daily poll question at 930. But, I mean, we do poll questions all throughout social studies. Why not chime in with one more, right? Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, question for you. Hi. Okay. Besides Devin Booker, who has been the Suns' most impactful player since Chris Paul went down 11 games ago? DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, campaign or other Ooh, i like this question um because i think all three of the players mentioned you can make strong arguments for them at different yeah. points but i'm gonna go recency bias i'm gonna go deandre ayton yeah it's sort of like the best supporting actor award yeah yeah you got a few good candidates there yeah. uh I- da da i think is where i'm going to okay Vote placed for DA, and that is what our listeners think as well. I would have guessed they would pick Bridges. Yeah. yeah. 46% went with DA. 39% went with Bridges, so still pretty close there. 13% went with Campaign. 2% went with Other. There's always a 2% for Other. All right. There you go. It's today's Sanderson Ford poll question. You can vote on it now on the homepage at ArizonaSports.com. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Social Studies, brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to HigherPrice.com. That's HigherPrice.com. Ready, set, Social Studies. <laughs> We're against the clock here. Let's let's get right into it. Three, two, one, Social Studies. I think people will follow along. Yeah. Yes, I think they will, too. All right, let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, many, many issues, obviously, as have been well documented on this show. But let's hone in on the injuries that the Cardinals have dealt with. Most recently, DJ Humphreys going to injured reserve. He has done for the year. Which player's injury hurt the team most this season and why? This is an open-ended question. Um, I probably am leaning towards Rodney Hudson. Yeah, that's a good call. Now, do we believe that's actually an injury? I, I, I don't, don't Cliff know. Cliff Kingsbury is hinting that he's coming back after the bye, which I heard that and I thought, wow, that's surprising. Yeah. That's I, not normally the guy at that point in his career, this point of the season, that's itching to get back yeah. to play football, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's the, the suspension to DeAndre Hopkins was, was effectively like a lengthy injury, and that was very instrumental. But I, I think Rodney Hudson's a good answer because the team has record-wise been very good when he starts. Yeah. I think that's that's my answer. I think Vinny said that. Okay. Uh, Rodney Hudson and DeAndre Hopkins are the two most popular responses. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, as you just pointed out, not actually an injury. You know, a self, right. self-inflicted self wound, but not an injury. Yeah, that's why I didn't suspension. consider him. Yeah, fair enough. Um, let's, let's see. Matt Prater got a shout-out from Shadrick. Uh, Prater and Hudson, the two guys that made a difference last year, and you see the team go back to average without them. Uh, Rodney Hudson's retirer injury, says Chuck Harris. Zach Ertz says Ann Webb. Uh, the offense would have flowed a lot better with him. The always famous retinjury. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Hollywood Brown from Apache Jedi Bear. We just saw the receiving group in peak form is limitless. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Do you know on the offense? Only- I, I don't know if that I've seen that they're limitless. I mean, mm. <laughs> Hollywood Brown averaged six yards a catch last week. Do you know only yeah. two players on the entire offense 
have played in every game. Kelvin Beecham. Yes. And the other one's a trick because in one game he only played one snap. A.J. Green. That's right. Wow. Isn't that wild, though? Man. It's wild. All right, let's get to the Phoenix Suns. Earlier in the show, we were thinking the fake tough guy, Patrick Beverly, for shoving DeAndre Ayton when the Suns and the Lakers played a little while ago. As Since then, that, that seemed to have sparked a much more aggressive, demonstrative DA on the court. Uh, the reigning Western Conference Player of the Week, by the way. Open-ended question, who is the toughest Phoenix player of all time, and why? I have to know, Jarrett, why the did Suns. you put tough... Yes, why did you put toughest in... in so you can uh, define it however you want. Okay, I didn't Physically know... Physically tough, mentally tough. Okay. I go to the physically tough, and I'm going way back, early 80s. Yeah. Maurice Lucas. Mm. That was a tough dude. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um... And we are know. limiting this just to Suns, correct? Correct. Because yes, I, I know some sense. some didn't do that in the response. Right. Yeah. Maybe Dan Marley should get a vote. Tough guy. How about the X-Man? Xavier McDaniel? Yeah. Xavier McDaniel. Was he considered uh, like a... He was definitely an enforcer. He had the, the label of being borderline dirty. Um, his time in Phoenix was largely a disappointment. And he wasn't here very long. No. Mm-hmm. All right, how, how about, about I'm going to cast a vote for Luke Longley? How about that? Oh, I don't know about that. Luke Longley, <laughs> Luke Lipinski, yeah. Yeah. two peas in Luke the pot. Luke Skywalker. Right <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Oh, Chris Bossert says AC Green. He picked his teeth up off of the court and didn't miss any time. Is that a thing that really happened? I missed that. Yes, he oh had a gosh. consecutive game streak going and got teeth knocked out, and then. They fudged a little bit on that streak because he played some games where he probably shouldn't have played and got a couple of token minutes to extend okay. the just to keep it going. Keep but that, he yeah. never missed games. He had a consecutive something else streak too, right? Uh-huh. Uh, yes, which I think builds toughness if you're going to keep that streak. Alive. Fair enough. <laughs> I Build look forward something. to asking what you are talking about later. You don't know the legend of AG, AC Green. Can you Why, share it yeah, on here? Well, yeah, yeah, he was he was famous in the NBA for his celibacy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Two streaks at the same time. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> that that escaped uh that escaped. Oh, that's okay. No, that. that was that's in the way back machine. Sure it is. Uh sure is. Okay, Josh Ashenbrenner says all you have to do is Google Steve Nash to see why he is the easy choice. And it and the Google is Steve Nash bloody face, and it's all these different photos, clearly from different games from different <laughs> eras. That's funny. Where it's bloody mouth, bloody eye, bloody uh, Mary. <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> Etc. Uh, Sons and Four Guy gets a shout out. Danny Ainge gets a shout out. Raja Bell. Raja oh, Bell is a great one. one. Somebody also mentioned Mark West, which is a yes. great, great pick. Quite a few people. The guy who Mark played West. all 82 games. It wasn't quite the streak, but all in Phoenix, he played all 82 games six years in a row with the Suns. Wow. And, that the and was Bridges doing a lot of dirty work, yeah. Mikhail Bridges can be on that list soon, too. All right, let's get to our final question. Uh, we were talking about Christian Pulisic. He scored in the 38th minute uh, to advance the U.S. to the knockout stage yesterday. And um, he got something else knocked out as well. 
uh, <laughs> while scoring that goal. He's okay. He went to the hospital. His his sensitive parts took a beating, but he's okay now. Um, <laughs> open-ended question, guys. What's the most painful injury you have ever experienced? This is the most themed social studies I think we've ever had. Injuries, Injuries and toughness. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's yeah. true, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Painful, painful. Not necessarily the most serious, but the most painful. Um, wow. I suffered an Achilles strain of some sort when I was a kid playing soccer. And mm-hmm. normally when you're a kid, it doesn't, whatever. You yeah. hurt something, you're just playing through it. I remember having to crawl off the field. And Aww. it lingered for a while. And, and you know. Due to my negligent parents, I never went to the doctor. Oh, how about that? <laughs> so era. I mentioned about how I've uh, how I had a pass a kidney stone the old school. Oh yeah, it was extremely. But that wasn't an injury. But I will tell you this: there was a field across from where I grew up. Um, that was a great field to play football and especially when it snowed. It was just perfect for Nerf football, regular football, whatever as kids. So there was a gigantic sewer hole cover that was elevated out of the ground. It was buried oh. under the snow. No. Like and I going. went to punt the football and I kicked that sewer so hard, my big toe just shattered. Oh. Just shattered. And it was probably cold, so it hurt even more. Yeah, right. I mean, you stub your toe and you're in pain for about 10, like, excruciating pain. Imagine doing that to your toe. Worst pain I ever felt wasn't an injury. It was getting a shot to numb my foot before they did a procedure on it. I got a giant needle right in the Ah. ball of my foot. Oh, gosh. I've never felt pain. That sounds terrible. I've never felt pain like that before. Then I felt nothing, but. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay, get ready to throw up. This one is absolutely disgusting. (laughs) Wow, what a setup. Jared. That's not for me. Mike Jones wrote in. I was tackled in football. I put my right hand down. The weight of the tackler snapped my elbow in half. Oh, God. My arm was dangling when I stood Uh up. I passed out in shock. Multiple surgeries. I actually almost lost my arm. Oh, my goodness. I never played again. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Fontes got hit in the shin with a baseball. Still has a mark to this day. Oh, man, the shin. Oh, that's brutal. Mr. B snapped a ligament in his leg at the top of Camelback Mountain a few years ago. Oh, he says tough. Yeah. He says he had to hop slash slide on his butt all the way down. Uh, the mountain rangers asked if he wanted the fire department to come get him, but he said, no chance I'm getting on the evening news as a mountain rescue. Now that's tough right there. <laughs> that's I, Give that guy my vote for toughest. Yeah. Mr. B. Mr. B. You're, you're the, the toughest, toughest listener. Congratulations. Yeah, he actually reminded me of my actual worst injury, but I don't have time to tell it. Yeah. It was ligament involved. And okay. My yeah. whole my whole leg from my knee to the tip of my toes turned black. Because oh, I tore every man. Oh, my God. Well, there's lots of good answers here, so yeah. if you want to scroll through so them grab, quickly. Grab, grab some snacks and scroll there through you go. all these disgusting injuries. <laughs> Thank delicious. you, Sarah. Thank you. Coming up next, it's our weekly NFL visit with Mark Schlereth. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NFL analyst Mark Schlereth talks football with Bickley and Murata. Brought to you by Earnhardt Ford and Chandler. Shop local. Shop EarnhardtFord.com. Every Wednesday we talk NFL with Mark Schlereth, or NFL on Fox, 104.3 The Fan in Denver. And Mark joins us right now on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Good morning, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing good. How was the Thanksgiving? Oh, it was awesome. It, I mean, come on, lay around, watch uh, football all day long, and eat. <laughs> I mean, come on, that doesn't get any better than that. Best holiday ever, right? 
Yeah, uh, it is. No question. The uh, Cardinals hit the bye week, latest bye week they've ever had. And I think when you've had a season like the Cardinals have had, I I fear what the post bye week Cardinals could look like for for somebody with experience with bye weeks. And uh, what do you what do you uh, predict for this team the rest of the way? Well, I mean, I, I think much of the same. I, and like I've said to you guys many times, they're a really talented team. So they're going to give you the illusion of of being competitive, um, the illusion of being close to figuring it out. Uh, but again, I think it's I think it's you know an illusion. I think it's a uh, you know a, a, a magic trick, a parlor trick. Uh, they're just they're just not, and so you know I think you you'll see much of the same. They'll come out and they'll make a bunch of plays, and and you know offensively they'll do things that um, that you know absolutely astound you. But the bottom line is they'll find ways to win more or lose more than they win. Yeah, and everything you said about the offense is is coming true and to fruition before our eyes. Um, a lot of people have realized that whether or not you want to fire the head coach in Arizona, clearly you're gonna. It, it looks like you need a different voice in this young quarterback's head to try to get him right, to try to get him to a different level. What would the marriage of Sean Payton and Kyler Murray look like to you? Would that be something you would think might be worth exploring? Yeah, I mean, Sean Payton's a hell of a football coach. You know, he does a great job with personnel. He does a great job of mixing his personnel groupings and um, and finding your weaknesses. I, I think the other thing that Sean Payton does a really good job of, and I had this conversation with him um, just from a coaching standpoint, you know, really good coaches um, – are, are great coaches, regardless of how juicy a matchup may be, the first thing on their agenda is to mitigate issues, to mitigate our own weaknesses, to make sure that we don't, you know, that, that we don't cost ourselves a game. And bad coaches look at that juicy matchup and they're like, we've got to exploit this matchup and let's just hope that we hold up. The good coaches and and great coaches go, we're not going to hold up there. Like I I always say this, don't put a guy in a position to fail and then act surprised when he fails. You're the dumbass that put him there. (laughs) So, Uh like, like my thought process is Sean will do a great job of knowing where they're weak as an organization um, and where they need help and, and not exposing those guys. And and that's your job as a coach is like, Hey man, you got to figure out if, if a juicy matchup um, puts a guy in harm's way that, you know, can't hold up, then you got to let go of that juicy matchup. And bad coaches hold on to it and go, we just got to hold up here. Hey, it's just got to be one or two plays. And ultimately what happens is um, instead of making that explosive play that's a positive, you make an explosive play that's a negative, and then you wonder why you lost. Well, there's no – I mean, it's pretty easy to figure out. It's because you put them in a position to lose. Mark Slareth, our weekly guest talking NFL on Wednesdays here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, now, the Cardinals' job, uh, as we speak, is not open. Cliff Kingsbury is the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, there was one play uh, in in uh, a very close game on Sunday against the Chargers that a lot of people are focusing on for different reasons. Second uh, quarter, fourth down and one at their own 34, Cardinals leading. They go for it. 
okay, uh, that's kind of in line with Cliff Kingsbury's fourth down aggressiveness. Instead of running the football, which they were feasting running the ball against that Chargers lo- uh, defensive line, Mark, they run an RPO. And after the game, uh, it falls, it gets intercepted. After the game, Kyler Murray says, schematically on that play, we were kind of bleeped. Um, I want to get your reaction. Um, like, put yourself back in the shoes of, of b- being an offensive lineman. When you're feasting in the run game, and you've talked so many times on this show about what that does when you dominate in the run game from a, from an offensive lineman standpoint, and an RPO is called, and then you're off the field after an interception, what is a player reaction to some something like that when that play is called? Why are we calling that? Why are we doing that? Like, what's what's the purpose there? Like, I don't, I don't like. There's a difference between deception and then being tricky. Mm-hmm. Deception is good. Trying to trick people is dumb. Like, like, because ultimately what ends up happening is usually, you know, nine times out of ten, you may get them once, but nine times out of ten, you're, you're getting yourself. You know, you're losing a game in that situation. First and foremost, I don't I don't buy going for it on fourth down and one in that situation when you're leading. And I understand, you know, everybody's enamored with the analytics of fourth down and short, and this says do this and, and whatever. I mean, you know, I always I always look at it like, well, you know, the situation, momentum, like the analytics don't take into consideration momentum. No. And momentum is real. And when all of a sudden you go from dominating a game to letting somebody else in a game because you made a stupid decision, that stuff is real and it affects your football team. It affects your mentality. Um, you know, not, not if we're eating, running the football and taking it out of our hands, you're like, why? Like, we've got them on skates right now. Like, they, they don't have cleats on. They have roller skates on right now. Mm-hmm. And so why would you why would you do that? It just is, uh, again, it's one of those things that I think oftentimes um, in this league, I think coaches outthink themselves. Yeah. You know, we used to joke about it all the time. We used to say, you know, there's there over meters anonymous, right? We just meet to meet. <laughs> we, get, we need to schedule a meeting about the meeting we just had, right? Like, right. it like. They, that's what coaches do, and they overthink things a lot of the time. And and I just am a big believer in you know the kiss principle of keep it simple, stupid. Let's just let's just not overthink this thing. Let's just go out here and win a football game. No doubt. One of the great things about having you on every week is we get a front row seat into the dysfunction that is the Broncos. So tell me about <laughs> Mike Purcell going at Russell Wilson while Nathaniel Hackett is pretending he's hearing nothing that nothing is happening behind him. <laughs> Oh my gosh, right? It just this this debacle that we're watching every every weekend is it's insane. Um oh yeah, and and like Mike Purcell is coming off the field and his head snapped. Like Russell said something to him like you know, like, hey, we can't have a penalty there. You know, gotta keep our poise. Gotta, we gotta believe. You know, he's like, I don't know uh, who was that. He's, he, that, I don't know who the. Uh, we gotta believe, guys. You just gotta believe. And Purcell just snapped his head around. Tony Robbins. And you know, yeah, and and just was like, you know, hey, listen. I, I I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what he said. It, but I'm sure it wasn't. Let's go, Russ. You know, come right. on. Right. I just so the, I, the 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 level of dysfunction, uh, the level of the offensive just 
lack of offense is uh, it's astounding to me. It is it's absolutely amazing to watch week in and week out to watch this offense get worse. Week in and week out, and to watch it change from a true kind of, you know, two tight ends, two running backs, fullback, West Coast, wide zone, boot keep game, play action, where you're under center and you turn your back to the defense, you know, and you give a good body lean and you sink down and you shrink so people can't see, then you pop up and hit a quick throw and like to standing in shotgun three out of every four plays, you know, and, and looking completely disoriented. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems to me that everybody, everybody but the quarterback has acquiesced. <laughs> like, like, I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh, the coach has said, okay, we'll change our offense. We'll be a three-wide offense, and we'll let you operate from gun. And, you know, okay, I'll give up my play-calling duties. Uh, and, and at every turn, this offense just continues uh, – to regress, it's it's a it's sad. I mean, Russell threw for three hundred forty-seven yards and and uh, completed sixty-nine percent of his passes in Week One. It's not recognizable. I held the Carolina Panthers lined up. You know what? You can tell a lot about how a team thinks about you the way you line up. They lined up in man-to-man coverage and basically said, "We don't believe you've got the receivers or the quarterback to beat us." Go. That's the Carolina Panthers. When they have three wins going into that game, they lined up and said, "You, we don't respect you enough. We don't respect you enough to play conservatively. We're going to press you and say you can't beat us. And, hey, you know what? The Broncos obliged. They couldn't. Oh, boy. What Mark, a debacle. Great stuff, as always. Have a uh, good week, and we'll talk to you next Thank Wednesday. You, Sounds good, guys. Be Thanks, good. Mark Slareth, NFL on Fox 104.3, the fan in Denver. He's got Green Bay and Chicago this week, too. So if Aaron Rodgers plays, we oh, might get good. some, we might get some uh, Aaron Rodgers production good. meetings like next week. Like it. Uh, coming up next, the uh, Fiesta Bowl. has got a new executive director. His name's Eric Moses. We'll chat with him straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This year, the Verbo Fiesta Bowl is a national college football playoff semifinal game. We're days away from finding out who will play in that game, and it's our pleasure to welcome for the first time on our show the new executive director of the Fiesta Bowl and the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Eric Moses joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Eric, I'm Vince. My partner is Dan. First of all, congratulations on the new job, and welcome to the Valley. Thank you very much, guys. I'm honored to be on your show. Thanks for having me. How has this transition gone for you? I, I understand that it's um, you know you've got an interim director in place for this year's game, but just talk about your transition coming into this position when you did. It's great, and it's funny. I'm, I'm not even on the clock yet. Uh, I don't start until Friday uh, and, and won't really take operational control to take the reins from Jim Hatfield until uh, until January 1st. So uh, I'm in the very unique position of being able to observe uh, a, a fantastic team, a well-oiled machine perform this year during bowl week for us, uh, and then to come in and hopefully uh, you know put my mark on things and work with a, a great team to, uh, to make these two games even better going forward. All right, we're right on the verge of finding out who's going to be in the college football playoff. Let's talk about possibilities. What might be in the works for the Verbo Fiesta Bowl, Eric? 
You know, as, as your listeners probably know, uh, you know, we don't get to select those teams as t- determined by the college football playoff system. Um, but we're excited. You know, I think if, if Georgia maintains their number one uh, ranking thus far, they will most likely be in the Peach Bowl since that would be in their backyard uh, against the number four team. And that would leave the two versus three matchup to the Verbal Fiesta Bowl, which right now, based on the rankings, would be Michigan and TCU. And that'd be the first time that they'd get to play. So that'd be pretty cool for us to, to host that in the Valley of the Sun. Uh, for, yeah, first yeah. time ever that they would play. And when you look at the possibilities of you know fans traveling and, and they oh, travel, oh, the, the Michigan fan base, and I imagine the TCU fan base would be just head over heels to be able to come to uh, this climate for, for a semifinal game. Yeah, we, we think the Big Ten teams, you know, have, have a long history, obviously, of playing in the Fiesta Bowl uh, and, and love our warm weather, uh, as opposed to the, uh, the colder environments that they're normally located in, whether that's Michigan or Wisconsin or Indiana or, or any of those states. So could be a fantastic matchup, and frankly, I think a really good matchup on the field. Now, you come from running a, from a, a speedway, a racetrack in Nashville, and this is an, an interesting time to take over this particular bowl with college football expansion coming and, and what all that is going to look like in the future. If you had to like kind of broad stroke what your what you think your responsibilities are going to be as steward of this game going forward, what are you looking at? Protecting the 50-plus years of, of, of history and heritage that, that the Verbal Fiesta Bowl has, um, it, its prominent position in Arizona, in particular in serving uh, the nonprofits and other recipients uh, of the funds that we're able to provide because of the success of this bowl game and, and, and its longstanding history, and, and making certain that we stay prominent uh, in the bowl system uh, and in, col- in the college football landscape. You know, I happen to be someone who believes that the Fiesta Bowl is the best bowl in the country. We want the rest of America to think that, and we want every team in this country to want to be able to come to uh, to, to Arizona to play uh, in that game. And so my job is going to be to make certain that we continue to be viewed that way as a place where. Uh-oh. We, we got Shane Doan's cell phone. <laughs> A place where what? <laughs> a place where what? We're all hanging on that last That's word. Right. Uh, hopefully we reconnect with uh, with Eric Moses, um, the new executive The idea director. of getting Michigan here would be quite something. Apparently the last time they were here, Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback of Michigan. 86. Wow. That's a fun little storyline. Was that? Oh wow! Because the next year, the '87 Rose Bowl, they uh, Michigan Jim Harbaugh quarterback Michigan team played against Arizona State. Wow! <laughs> How about that? Look, when you, uh, you know, I think our whole phone system just absolutely is that cr- what it was crashed on. Us, okay, so. sorry we, about that, Eric. Our we, bad. We are not. It's going. Jared's fault, Eric. Sorry about that. It's a technological problem it's, with the phone. Yeah, I think technology. Yeah, you are our technological it's... problem, Ferret. <laughs> Oh, apologies uh, to, to Eric Moses, yes. the new executive executive director of the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. But yeah, this is um, this well, is an interesting weekend going into championship weekend. I think look, Michigan's place, they should feel very confident. And that's not a slight on Purdue. Mm-hmm. But that's the Big Ten championship game. I find it interesting that a four-loss team is playing for a championship team. This is the last year they're going with that format in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good move by college football. You're seeing it in the Pac-12 this weekend, too. USC, who's in the mix right now for a playoff spot, 
the best game in the Pac-12 all season long was the Utah-USC game. We get a rematch of that. Uh, right. Because and, of the lack of division. And so the danger here is that Ohio State might capitalize and find themselves back in the college football playoff without having to do anything this weekend. And philosophically, I've got big, big issues with that. It just does not seem fair to me at all. This is a tough test for the Trojans to have to play that Utah team, which a lot of people pick to be the best team in the Pac-12 this year, just to punch their ticket in this thing. But if they do, it'll be quite a statement from Lincoln Riley. And in a guy in Caleb Williams who might be the Heisman front runner at the I time. I think he is. He's, the, he's one of the three finalists with Hendon Hooker and, and uh, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And I think the way Caleb, fin- Caleb Williams finished and USC finished the season, those votes are going to be in before that championship game. I think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. No, I think you're right, and I think you're right. So the fact that it does look so, if Georgia holds on to number one, and I do believe this, I do believe that Georgia is in if they lose, Michigan is in if they lose, even to a four-team Purdue, because you can't put Ohio State over Michigan, not after what happened in Columbus last week. You just can't. Now, can TCU endure a loss and stick in the college football playoff? They've been tr- tremendous, but they're playing a team that's not – you know, as highly thought of in Kansas State. By the way, that's the most purple conference championship game it ever. Is. It is TCU against Kansas State. I wouldn't so, if I'm TCU. I wouldn't feel comfortable being so, being count being uh, no. you know granted a spot with a, with another loss but, or a loss. But who? What are the real viable candidates to replace them? Now, Ohio State obviously is the next one in. If I think if USC stumbles, th- th- that that's going to cost USC. I do think Ohio State gets back in if Utah beats USC. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that is that will happen. Alabama, I don't think has any part in this college football playoff. I know a lot of people are looking at this and going, just wait. You'll see. You'll see. And that that thought horrifies me, to be honest with you. A two-loss Alabama team with one good win this season, they do not deserve to be anywhere near this There's thing. never been a two-loss team in the playoff. If it's going to be a two-loss team, it's going to be Alabama. And things could change. And then they'd end up way. winning it. And that, that, right, it's, but but this, this issue is a very temporary issue with expansion. Right on on the table. We didn't even get into the whole Rose Bowl uh, factor. Oh, oh. <laughs> the Rose Bowl might be playing uh, playing hardball and not well, giving I up their, their time slot. Yeah, so we'll see. Again, apologies to uh, Eric Moses for our technical difficulties. He's the new executive director of the Fiesta Bowl, and he joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. It is open right now at six twenty six twenty. Also, want to let you know the Bud Light Super Bowl Music Fest featuring three incredible nights of shows and including Imagine Dragons, Dave Matthews Band, and Paramore. We'll be heading to the Footprint Center February 9th through the 11th. Tickets go on sale this Friday. You can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win some tickets. Coming up next, final thoughts on this Wednesday. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Weekly and Murata. Song of the Day. All right, today's Song of the Day from Don Henley, a song I loathed when it came out. I found out Vinny loved it. I loved it when I was a kid when this came out. The keyboard that, riff just made my the, skin crawl. That's the part that I like. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. 
Uh, we're honoring I'm sure this. you're glad we're playing this. Today. Yeah, we're uh, playing this in honor of the Marcus Bagley debacle at ASU. A lot of airing out of dirty laundry, Vinny. On the social media. Yeah. 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 It's a shame. ASU basketball's off to a good start. Smoke Michigan. And the others receiving votes. They're yes. almost ranked. And do you remember at the beginning of the season talking to Bobby Hurley how excited he was to have Marcus Bagley back for a third year? Yeah. And being able to have the opportunity to capitalize yeah. on him being healthy. And right. Here we are, seven games into the season. As Herm Edwards would say, don't press send. Don't press send. If you take anything from Herm Edwards, take that. Take yeah. that. That yeah, that's good that's, advice. That's the one bit of good advice. <laughs> I also just found out in doing a search that uh, Kelly Rowland from Destiny's Child has a song called "Dirty Laundry." Hmm. As does Carrie Underwood. I don't know if they're covers. Well, if you know, as Herm Edwards would say, "Terry will come." Dirty Laundry, Don Henley of Eagles. Huh? Not the Eagles. Today's song of the day. Bickley and Murata going off the grid. Off the grid. Brought to you by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you've been hurt in an accident, call Sweet James at 800-500-5200 or sweetjames.com. Oh, daily dose of Vinny Joe trivia. You guys did well yesterday, so I have a, a similar question for you. Yesterday, the question was, can you name the only NFL franchise who's had four different quarterbacks win MVP? Mm-hmm. The Baltimore Indianapolis Colts. Uh, today's question... A lot less to choose from because it's been a quarterback-dominated award, the NFL MVP. Can you name the only two franchises who have had two different running backs named NFL MVP? This is a little tough. Uh, The Bears? No. No. Only had one, Walter Payton in 1977. Gil Sears might have made it. The Rams? The Rams? No. Just Marshall Falk. Yeah, I thought maybe. maybe Never won it. Uh, a hint for one of these franchises, you got to go way back to the early 60s. That probably gives it away. The Packers. The Packers is one. Paul Horning and Jim Taylor won it in back-to-back years, 61 oh, and 62. Okay. The other franchise, more recent, but not that recent. Dallas. Nope, they've only had one, and that was Emmett Smith in 1993. You want the years? Sure. 73 and 91. The, um... The Lions? Nope. That's what I don't know. Oh, no. 73, the first guy ever. Oh, the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills. Oh, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson. Thurman Thomas. Oh. I didn't remember Thurman Thomas won the MVP. How about that? 1991. That was a different era. I mean, running backs probably dominated the MVP in the 90s and early 2000s, at least. Sean Alexander, right? Mm-hmm. Priest Holmes, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, and Adrian Peterson was the last one in 2012 to win it. Um... I mentioned this yesterday, and I mentioned it tongue-in-cheek earlier today. The TikTok account that updates the Russell Wilson touchdown pass situation. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to play this for you because the guy's delivery is also awesome. Wow. What an exciting and heart-stopping week in the Russell Wilson touchdown passes versus bathrooms in his house saga. <laughs> today, in week 12, Russell Wilson traveled to the powerhouse Carolina Panthers. The bathrooms held strong and even called back two Russell Wilson touchdown passes. But unfortunately, Russell Wilson was able to find the end zone late in the game for one more touchdown pass. 
This brings his total on the season to eight touchdown passes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sierra has decided that they do not need any more bathrooms and that 12 is enough for now. <laughs> this means that Russell Wilson only needs four more touchdown passes to hit that elusive number of bathrooms at his house. Bathrooms are starting to sweat a little, but they still remain pretty confident. I know we're all excited to see what happens. Uh, I got to tell you. Social media can be a real burden. It can be a real pain sometimes. But for people who do creative stuff like that, oh, I love it. He does it every week. (laughs) Wow, the tone in which he goes, wow, at the very start. The powerhouse Carolina Panthers. (laughs) It's funny because when he probably started doing it, he thought like, ah, this will be fun for a few weeks. Not into week 13. Yeah. And it might be, it it might last the whole season long. Uh, Sarah alerted me to this. Um, the other night, the Lakers blew a 17-point lead against the Pacers. They lost on a buzzer beater by Andrew Nemhard. Um, that might not have been the most embarrassing thing that happened to the Lakers that night. Did you see they played the wrong intro video at Crypto.com Arena that featured two players that are no longer on the oh. team? <laughs> Oh, no. Malik Monk and Kent Bazemore. Neither one of them on the Los Angeles Lakers were both in the intro video the other night. That's <laughs> that's unbelievable. That's hilarious. As the kids would say on the internet, unserious franchise. And in that yeah. same game, a fan hit a half-court shot for a $75,000 yes! payoff from like a casino. The one player who came off the bench and ran out on the court to hug him, Anthony Davis. The coaches are probably like, no, he's going to get hurt. Back down, <laughs> Anthony. That guy won $75,000. $75,000. But it's all in crypto money from crypto.com. <laughs> Turns so. out that guy's the best three-point shooter that the Lakers ah. have had all season long. Oh, oh, oh. That is going to do it for us today. Thanks to Al McCoy, Mark Schlereth, Eric Moses for joining us. Uh, programming note. Yeah. My man Bick is in vacation mode yeah. right, starting right now. Almost right now. Yeah. I've got to burn some days, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, enjoy your vacation. Don't take it personal. <laughs> uh, we'll have uh, Lorenzo Alexander tomorrow and Tim Ring the rest of the week. Vic, enjoy your Thank vacation. You, uh, we'll catch you tomorrow.